behavioral neuroscience has shown us that everyone is hardwired to connect. And when we connect, there's something literally going on in your brain. So it's growing, like it's doing its workout. Welcome to the Breaking HR Podcast, where we wrestle with employment challenges for entrepreneurs, business leaders, and HR professionals. Here are your hosts, Jesse and Nathan. Welcome to the Breaking HR Podcast. I'm Jesse. And I'm Nathan, and welcome to everybody, and thanks for listening. And today we have with us Carrie Allen from Resolute Consulting. And yeah, Carrie, welcome today, and tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do. Thank you for having me on this amazing podcast. I'm really excited to share some ideas with other great thought leaders. I started my career in the performing arts. I was a ballerina, and it shaped what I do today because it made me aware of the inputs required to be your best. And I've always been on sort of a search to crack the code for every business I work with. When I finished dancing, I was quite injured and I just was like, I gotta get out of here. So I left Winnipeg and came back to Alberta and got a business degree. And two, two decades later, I have spent most of my time in, after my BCom exploring coaching and leadership development. And what, where I am currently, I have gone on this wild investigation of what it takes to have a healthy brain as a leader and what it truly means to do that. This creates a lot of good things in businesses. One of them is psychological safety. Healthy leader that can lead in a psychologically safe way drives diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that's, that's a lot of the work I do. And I am hoping to be accepted into a, a program, doctoral program, the university in Europe to explore my research a little bit more because I want more tools. I need more tools to bring to leaders and it's really fun. That's awesome. So your company is called Resolute and you do leadership coaching, consulting, and it sounds like you've brought your ability to compete and perform at a high level into the business world. So that's really cool because I, I came from a sports background as well. And it, I often apply myself based on how I was able to play my best when there was the need to play your best and how you get to that level. I'm not saying I'm all that great at it all the time. And there's definitely a battle that goes on, I think, with that. Can you define the term psychological safety? Because up until yesterday or two days ago, when Jesse let us let me know that you're coming on. I didn't really, I, I know what those words mean, but I don't know what they mean together. So can you briefly just tell us what that exactly means? Yeah. And it's kind of a big story, but I'll define it first. And then I'll give a little bit of the story. And if it's getting too long, you can cut me off. But basically, <laughs> psychological safety, in my words, and there's lots of amazing definitions, and I would champion you to buy as many books as you can about it and learn as much as you can because it's it's good stuff. And really psychological safety is creating a culture or a relationship where individuals feel safe to be themselves without the fear of judgment or ret retribution by others. So there is okay. no risk of them being able to show up, speak up and live up to what's required. And there's all different levels. And you can see why it would create um, 
It is the building block for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because if you have a team that doesn't feel safe to champion their diversity, which is a noun, um, and build inclusivity, which is more the verb, right? Build it. It's incredibly hard to do as a leader to actually, yeah. as a type A, you know, I'm the person leading the charge here, sit at the boardroom and say, nope, we all matter equally. All ideas matter equally. My ideas should not be thrown in the pot in more frequency or with more importance than yours. And I also feel safe to say, oh, doctor, that's the wrong pill. You're going to kill that guy. And, and yeah. so psychological <laughs> safety is very useful in lots of mm. places. It's also in heavy industry. I don't feel safe to drive that piece of machinery that could potentially kill 100 people. And I feel safe enough to tell my leader that my training wasn't enough. And I know that I'm not going to be fired for that. So that sort of shapes what my definition of psychological safety is. But it's, a, it's growing quickly. And Canada is one of the countries leading the charge. That's awesome. That's very I was going to say, I think that's one of the one of the many reasons Terry and I have frequent conversations is, you know, I, I feel like the emperor's new clothes, we'll call it, effect is so prevalent in business. And like you said, whether it's somebody working heavy machinery or somebody in a boardroom, it's so commonplace just for people to be like, oh, okay, yep, yes, yes, that sounds good. When everyone sees and knows that that's not a good idea, it's not the safe thing to do. And I think that's something that I think you and I have connected a lot on, Carrie, and I think it's something that I'm always keenly interested in. And, um, you know, I, I love having you on today to learn more. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that people that listen in do, they, that'll drive some curiosity in them and they'll want to dive into it more. I love how you frame that because it's, I feel it's our, I think, I feel it's one of our, our jobs, one of our missions in being HR leaders or any leader is to spread the word and know that you are, we are influencing one brain at a time or hundreds of them and making them safe and well. Do you want me to talk a little bit about where it actually came from? Where yeah, it grew? I'm actually interested because like I, I hear, I think it's one of those things and maybe Nathan, this is where you sit, don't want to speak for you, but I think a lot of people hear about it, but they don't really know like, where did that come from? Why is there a need for it? I was actually just about to ask about the concept and how new it was and because this is brand new to me. So it, it, the, the idea, as you describe it, sounds very interesting and it's, it sounds like equipping and empowering people to feel like they can also be leaders within an organization. But I'm very curious where this buzzword shows up and at what point in our history does this start to become more prevalent to the point where your business is surrounded by like your your business is built off of it and so yeah tell us a bit on how that starts um the term psychological safety was created by academics in you know over the past several decades but the part i'd like to focus on for us and there's several books that i'll, I'll refer to um, an individual named amy edmondson who is a a, a brilliant uh, champion of psychological safety. She's read many, read many she's written many books. Um, and she was writing about psychological safety in the early, well, 2010s, I'd say. And, and others were as well, but it was, it was interesting that we were thinking about 
like, what is it? Is it brain health? Is it, is it safety? Where does it go? Is it in the, is it in the HR statutes or is it over in occupational health and safety? What's going on? Yeah. But then Google did this amazing study called Project Aristotle. And they, Rich. right. And they yeah. uh, assessed, I don't know how many, but hundreds of thousands of their employees go globally. And what they fig what they stumbled across was this thing that they then called psychological safety. This was in 2012. Teams that had this thing going on was more powerful than anything else that they found because teams that had psychological safety had higher performance records, they had higher uh, retention, they had more innovation and creativity, they were happier, they were just, and they were making bucks. They were making the bucks. The teams that were had this going on were the highest functioning teams across every business metric. So mm -hmm. the HR world was like, like, what's going on now? We've been doing engagement surveys for 20 years. What's going on? And we all sort of shifted. And what's very cool is that Canada uh, got on the horse right away and said, that's really important because I know Canadians, and I'm learning this more as I have more of a, a global reach with my clients and with my studies, I'm realizing that we really are very nice and people know that. And they're always Sometimes like, right? but we do have, we have big problems in industry yeah. with safety, getting much better. Of course, we all know that, but we have really high rates of drug and alcohol abuse and divorce and all kinds of bullying in the workplace. Like staggering and so does our good friends that live in Australia and so Canada and Australia hopped on I think 2013-ish and we we created national codes we actually have a national no national standard we have national standards but they're not laws okay so it's yeah. like you should really think about this people so it's and if we run a little powerpoint I could show you and if anybody listening to this uh wants I'd love handing out all the stuff that Canada's done. So if you want to, to know where to look for our code and for our standards. Um, but then a few, a few months later, provincial governments said, okay, this is, this is serious stuff. We have to worry about psychological safety because co uh, companies that do have less safety accidents, less people cool. are getting hurt, dying, injured, um, because they feel safe to speak up and they feel safe to be heard. Across our country, we all have safety codes that are usually embedded in our occupational health and safety. They're in different, slightly different places. I was helping a client in Quebec and it's in a little bit different place there, but if you ever need help, I found them all. So you can ask me. <laughs> you have a cheat sheet? <laughs> I have a cheat sheet. So in Alberta, ours is embedded in our occupational health and safety uh, codes, right? Yeah. And, um, it's pretty interesting. And people say, yeah, but that's not, it's because it, the work I do in businesses, I, I talk to people about it. It starts from the words we say to each other and businesses say, well, that's not in, that's not in here. How I talk doesn't matter. You can't hold me accountable for that. But if your end game is to create that environment where you feel completely safe to show up, be heard without the fear of retribution or judgment, it really matters the words you're using. So there's a really big spectrum. Yeah. And that's why I like to share that little story. That's very cool. Are you working with leaders and managers 
CEOs or are you working more on the employee side when you're working with somebody or a company? How do you structure the way that you reach out to people to give this information? And this is a good question because I'm a little business. So I work on my own and I call individuals in like the amazing Jesse, who is a positive intelligence guru, and we work in positive intelligence together. That's one of the things. But so I, I'm on my own most of the time. And what there's a few different things that I like to help influence companies for their psychological safety, culture, and program. And it really is soup to nuts. And I say that because it has to be evidenced in all of your HR materials. So okay. As much as I hate writing policies, I do write them. And for me, if it's a really big organization with a, uh, I recommend they always use a lawyer to write policy, or at least, of course, read them because they know the common law that's changing constantly in every sense of the term. And they read our codes and standards and write charter rights and freedoms, et cetera. They know them inside and out, but I do a little bit of that. That's where it starts so that employees feel safe that they know where to go to literally find what the company's doing to support psychological safety. But the work I find most transformational and I enjoy very much is working with leaders to ensure they're leading the charge. So they cool. are really aware, just like a parent, that everyone's watching you and they will em emulate what you do. Children pick up on the things you say the way you say it, the energy behind the words and working with leaders to understand that is where it starts. Like literally in every conversation with, with their team. And then if I am given the, the amazing opportunity, I work with the team to bridge the gap. Sometimes I use an assessment. Sometimes we'll use a program like positive intelligence. Sometimes we use, we dabble in read a little Brene Brown and use some of her published exercises and things. But it all leads towards bridging the gap between leaders and their teams to create really robust systems that can stand the test of time and have the rigor to really create what the goals are around psychological safety. It's a lot of work. It's not for yeah, the faint of heart. Can't shy away from the work. As a if, you wanna, if you want to leave links for forget if you want to leave links for resources and probably your website if you're okay with that it's up to you but we can yeah. put those in our our show notes so people can access it because yeah you never know and um i'm i'm like frantically googling all these hr resources you guys are referring to so I, if you see me looking at my screen i'm like well, what's like positive said, intelligence she has a cheat sheet on that i have some cheat sheets too so we can always help you out there That's can great. i ask you know, for you, like when you're going into a business carrier, there are certain signs that, or like tests or things you look for going in, but you know, when you're going in to help them work on something to do with psychological safety. So signs like my spidey senses or actual yeah. tools. Well, yeah? I think a bit of both. I think <laughs> I'm yeah. very much one of the intuition and spidey senses, but Ooh. I want to know about the tools too, because I think yeah. others probably, probably yeah. want to know more about that. You know. I really look to see and I ask questions around how much time they spend working on their culture and how much time they spend on connection, like 
this, like just talking and how much time they spend truly understanding each other's values. And do they understand to the point where I can say, I know Jesse's top value is this, and it's operationalized when these three behaviors are happening. And I know it seems bonkers, but depending on who you look at, who you listen to, Shazad Shem, Brene Brown, Daniel Pink, whoever you're listening to, they all are really values driven. And they, and Brene Brown says, if you don't know my values, you don't know me. And you may know them, but if they're not operationalized, if you don't, like, you should be able, in my opinion, to really know your team and understand when they're getting into a situation where they're not experiencing psychological safety. When the warning signs go up, there's the body language, but also I'll be able to say, oh gosh, my employee is driven by connection. So if I put them in that machinery over there for 12 hours a day, they're not going to be, it's not going to work. That probably wouldn't work for anybody, but you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Was a leader being able to say, I know what honors my employees' values and I know what dis dishonors them or contravenes them. So if people don't have these kinds of things we're talking about, if we're not values aware or whatever you want to call it, behaviors aware, if we haven't connected, when if we're not, if we don't take a lot of time to communicate, if we're really transactional, usually people don't feel safe because we are, neuroscience has shown us, sorry, behavioral neuroscience has shown us that everyone is hardwired to connect. And when we connect, there's something literally going on in your brain. So it's, mm. it's growing. Like it's, it's doing, it's like doing its workout. When you're disconnected, when you're treated poorly, when you're upset, when you're angry, when you're jealous, your brain is literally flooded with cortisol and it's not good for your brain. And we're not meant to be sitting in front of these computers in stressful situations. We're supposed to be running in the bushes. And if a bear starts to chase us, <laughs> of course, our brains are flooded with cortisol. But then once right. the bear goes away, I look at the trees and I look at the sun and the cortisol is, is reabsorbed into my brain. And once again, I'm happy. So, and there's, there's lots of research now on how do we create psychological safety in teams that are under acute stress every day? And uh, what do we do? Do we find people that are better suited to those jobs? Do we hire people like me to come in and do positive intelligence and other assessments and really work on connection? But that's really, um, those are the things I look for. If I go into a business and we're missing all of those pieces, people aren't aware of their culture. Leaders aren't aware of how to drive the kind of culture they want and how to create that. Mm -hmm. They have no skin in the game for that. Then I would be, I would want to know more. And that's where I would suggest right. an assessment. And you'd want to dig in more. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I, I really like the analogy going back a bit, the analogy that you made to how your kids react to the parents when the parents are stressed, <laughs> the kids are stressed. So when the bosses are stressed, the employees are stressed or everyone under you. And I can't help but think just the times I've just ruined, ruined my kids over being too stressed about something. Anyway, it's, it's a good takeaway <laughs> for me. Join the club. I yeah. did that. Oh, yeah. say, you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah. And you always um, will. That's the trick too, is that leaders often bring me in to, to like fix my team. This is another red flag. Fix my team. Call me in. 
and then I'll lead. It really does come from the leader and yeah. they have yeah. to take the charge. Just like any, just like any team, any leader, follow me, get on board, let's go. I'll lead you and they'll emulate where you're going and what you're doing. But also knowing that the leader will always have crises and will always um, have a really hard time. And, and as soon as the leader can say that too, that's what builds psychological safety is that vulnerability mm. to say, I get mad. I'm a human being. I get mad and I yell sometimes yeah. and then I regret it. Sometimes I throw things, you know, because I'm a human and we all are. And that's one of the things that help. as soon as I see you doing that, I like you better and I trust you. It's just what your brain does. So that's right. neat, right? It so disarms the other people. Yeah. It, it's yeah. the key indicator for building trust. Very cool. Can you speak to work culture today as it's changed to being in a lot of organizations, a mixed version of in the office, out of the office, the hybrid, hybrid remote, remote, the hybrid yeah. model that's coming out. Can you speak to what you're seeing and what you're noticing and how a psychological safety would play into that? Because you talked about connection and I think we've lost that in the normal way that it used to be. Agreed. Definitely different, yeah. Definitely different and needs attention in a different way. And you know what occurred to me as you were saying, when you were talking, I was like nodding my head and thinking of like the work that I've done with teams to try and pack in connection, even though they're so disconnected and how those individuals that want to stay disconnected because they get more work done and then can do their other things. How do we hack that in? But I... It's possible. And I was just thinking back, I did quite a few courses over COVID on, uh, over the pandemic on Zoom. And there were a couple where we were very connected. And mm. my brain, I know now when my brain is in flow, that's positive, as does Jesse, because we do all this work every single day. We do exercises. So I know, I can tell you right now, like as soon as we were talking about kids, I went to, oh my gosh, I was really stressed last night. And my little guy was watching me and I just, so anyway, but I'm able to do an exercise to have that dissipate. And so it can be done in groups and teams on these sort of dis, in these disconnected ways, but it has to be a big deal. And it has to be, it has to have as much time required for the uptake. And in my opinion, it's most effective when the leaders the charge and make a big deal about it. There's a woman in Europe, I think she's Australian. I don't actually know where she lives now, but I think her working address could be in Germany. Her name is Linda Ray, and she has done a lot of psychological safety research and did a psychological safety assessment. And now she's come up with a manifesto of things that her company has to do. Like they can't be on, like they have, they have, head breaks and Zoom breaks and naps and every hour, even more than every hour, I want to say every 10 minutes, they have to get up and move and talk. And then at least every hour, they either have to meditate for five minutes or close their eyes and rest or like, anyway, let's take the picture here. Something to kind of change what area their brain they're using or something like that. And when they use it and they brain map, which is a big, that's how they're kind of testing a lot of this stuff. Cause you can actually see going on in your brain. When they do this, people make far fewer mistakes. They are happier, of course. Their IQ goes up. 
um, all kinds of wild stuff. Like you're just, you're well, your brain is well, you're kinder. You're able to, you're also able to see your boundaries quicker when you're of sound mind. When we're emotionally hijacked or like in fight, flight, freeze, it's really hard to articulate when a boundary is being crossed of ours and we just charge forward. And, you know, when we hear about people that are in bad relationships at work or at home, sometimes they don't even realize how bad it is. They don't even realize their boundaries crossed and crossed again and crossed again because they're just full on cortisol mania. So yeah, the brain never gets to its full working state. This right? stuff fascinates me. And I think, you know, not to derail the conversation on emotional intelligence, I think there's a strong connection, at least in my experience, that the more you move your body, the more your brain follows suit. And I think that's why I loved hearing that. If a company's out there saying like, hey, Every hour you got to get up and do some movement, stand up, move around a little bit. Like even those little hacking, those little breaks in, I think are pivotal. Because when you talk about flow and like your brain at its best operating capacity, usually there's some sort of physical component of that that can get people into flow, whether it's exercise or meditation or art or breathing. There's usually some sort of physical component. So to me, I'm always just fascinated at how this works together and how it's how can we do more by linking these things? Absolutely. And it made me think, at first I didn't realize you were talking about it, but positive intelligence. And there's so many other things you can do, like exactly what you're saying, because it makes your brain kind of how you can, in movies, the movie will be going on and then it'll freeze and the person will step out of the scene or something like that. (laughs) And your brain can kind of do that. It can go, whoa, now. And if you do movement, like Jesse's saying, if you put something, put your brain into a different sensory place, like by feeling what your hands feel like or doing deep breathing or the tapping is really good for trauma patients. There's different, I, mm-hmm. I want to learn more about it, but, um, right. And a lot of indigenous cultures drum oh, because yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't literally, you can't be depressed when you're drumming. Your brain can't do it. Because it's focusing mm-hmm. on. I like that kind of exercise. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't be depressed doing it, I want to do more of it. That is right. Sure. Yeah. There's no downside to that. There's no downside. And yeah. it's not my area of specialty. So I'm, I, if there somebody's listening to this and knows more or in more of an articulate way what that is, but that is a thing. And I, I just think it's neat that cultures hmm. throughout history have done things to make them feel like they, it feels good to dance. Mm-hmm. It feels good to drum. It feels good to be silly. And you're, you smile. And Ellen gets up, used to get up and dance and now companies oh, do yeah. it. I used to love right? that. I know. <laughs> it, it does create a healthy brain, which is then easier yeah. as a leader to lead in a psychologically safe way where it's, yeah, it's just when you're a little bit more in tune with what's going on in your person as a leader, it's a little bit easier to slow down and track what's going on in others. And that really, to me and the work I do, that really Psychological safety, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, allyship and belonging, and all of those really are incredibly difficult to start that journey unless we're really solid in a leader that can create a psychologically safe relationship every day. I like what you said earlier, Carrie. I think it's how do you operationalize the values? I think that is such a key piece for leaders to, to really think on is, okay, 
here's what my business is about. What are those values it's built on? And then how do we operationalize those? And then layer on allowing your team to be themselves by creating that open, safe place. Like, I know that's very much simplifying it, but I think those are the things in my mind that have, I've seen work really well in organizations and I've also seen go completely sideways. Yeah. You know, if you have those elements, it really helps create that, that great recipe. It does. It does. And as you say, like you, you said, it's oversimplified, but it's really not because it's, it's not brain surgery, but it kind of is. No, it's not, it's not super technical stuff we're talking about here. It's about really right. as a, you know, really getting in touch with your team. And there's Brene Brown has a nice exercise. I add on an extra chunk because I always fear that people will, if they share values at work or in relationships, that they will share values that they think the other person wants to hear. Oh, okay. What are your top two values? Well, hard work and do what's good <laughs> for the guy. Kind of thing. Right. <laughs> but, but really, if I want you to get to know me, like my top value is courage. Uh-huh. And I trip on it all the time because I, um, I feel I have to tell people how it is. <laughs> It's also my controller, Jesse, but yeah. um, it's not my place to tell people how it is. If they ask me, I can, but that's a really good thing to know about me because if someone comes into the office and starts name calling or calls someone a derogatory thing or a racist thing, like my husband's like, oh, okay, get her out of here. Get her out. Like he literally grabs my <laughs> get her out of here. I'm like, you know, so really I, I trip on my top value. We all do. And that's a really good exercise, you know, if you want to try this on. It's fun. Just think about the last time you got really upset about something or super excited about something. And that's a really good values. Um, so that's a great place to start yeah. with teams um, to operationalize, as Jesse's saying. And all operationalizing is, is like hiking is just walking. I figured that out and now I hike a oh, lot. Yeah. It, it, it makes walking. it less scary, right? Yeah. <laughs> just in like in better, more comfy shoes. They get to yeah. buy it at MEC. It's good grip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That That's a great analogy. I'm going to steal that. So please don't. Uh, hopefully it's not copyrighted. <laughs> no, it's a great analogy because you want grip. This is going to give yeah. you grip, right? If you really dig into the, like, and think about it, talk about it. And it's fun to do with your employees because you're like, how does that show up for you? And is it this? No, no, no. Because they know it's not scary. And you don't have to do the heavy lifting as a leader. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? They know what's in their head and they know what makes them happy. And they love to talk about it. It's the juiciest, most enjoyable work you ever do with your team is to just really dig, dig into their values and what shows up for you. And, and there's, it sounds really woo-woo, but there's lots of worksheets out there. There's lots of stuff I can point it to free resources on the internet. But it really is a good thing. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to Shoutouts, where we recognize the things that are making life just a little bit better. We're going to do our shoutouts right now, and we're going to start, of course, with our guests. So, Carrie, uh, what is something you'd like to shout out today for the audience? I think a book that helped me understand brains recently, and it's called Brain Reboot by Dr. Justin Kennedy. And oh. it's, it's good. Good book. It, it's... Nice. um. It's helping me understand the crazy that we all have in our heads a little bit and how we can operationalize it and make it work. Cool. Is, mm-hmm. is that a book you just read or, or is it one you've just reread and you've 
just known for read. a long time. Yeah, just and, read. and cool. not even done it. It's um, yeah, it's by a guy who calls himself a neuros. He is a neuroscientist, and he's really researching um, organizational brains at work. Okay, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to check that one out. Jesse, um, do you want to go next? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so. I promise this time I, I won't shout out Audible or something again. Um, <laughs> I think I do that pretty much every week. But I, I do check out Brain Reef. That sounds really interesting, Terry. Let me think. I think a lot of things have been um, really good lately. In, in the Christmas season, we'll call it the holiday season. Uh, and I just would like to, I think, call out some of the, the hard work and effort people put in. And, and this is more general, but just volunteers during the season. Like I just... There's so many people I see out there, especially during the holidays, doing so much for people. Um, it makes me want to do more. And I'm just really appreciative every time I see somebody, you know, whether it's adopting a senior, I really like that cause, or you know, going to the food bank and donating stuff or giving money. Like, I just feel like this time of year, there's a real propensity to do that. And it really inspires me. So I guess that's my shout out. It's a little bit generic, but I love the good feelings and the, the giving back I'm seeing out there. So. That's my shout-out. Nice. Amazing. I, I like that. That's gonna that's gonna feel real different in March when we finally get this out. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Hopefully it's sooner. <laughs> but it wasn't sooner. He waited until the middle of March to finally edit this episode. What about you, Nathan? What's your shout-out today? Okay, so I'm gonna give a shout-out to Eggnog. Um, okay. Oh, it's Christmas and eggnog is just so good, but not any eggnog. They're not all the same. So you have to go and get the Lucerne one, Lucerne not Dairyland, not Beatrice, not nothing weird. <laughs> I gotta write it that down. One, that one specifically is so much better than the other one. It's not as yellow. It's not as weird. Yeah. It is um, there, and can you get it most stores? I've never really done the eggnog thing. Uh, Sobeys, Sobeys Safeway, wherever they sell Lucerne, I think it's just Products, Sobeys yeah. Safeway is where they sell a, um, nice. at least where we get it. And so you can put it in your coffee. You can put it in a latte. You can just drink it straight. You can drink it with rum. You can <laughs> no do rum, all kinds yeah. of things. So my show is for eggnog. <laughs> I really like that. That's good. I, and I can say, I hope they have an alternative for us lactose intolerant because I, I love, oh they do, do? okay because i love the flavor of eggnog but it doesn't like me back <laughs> once again another seasonal reference that doesn't make sense oh that's good good times <laughs> merry christmas everyone this has been shout outs people always ask what do i this is great this is really nice but my company won't do this what do I do? And I always suggest that they, um, and it depends where they're at. Like if it's really hard to find a job, what are you going to do? Find an ally, find somebody that if, if you have no psychological safety, you know, you're not, and maybe perhaps you're not honoring employment standards either. Lots of companies don't. Um, you could find an ally maybe that you think might join with you in the conversation and then kind of recruit others to talk about it, find a way, um, or you could call different institutions to find out, or, you know, like employment standards or like occupational health and safety, because they're, they'll come in for free. 
they do free, mm. they do free webinars. Like they'll, you could get one of their officers on to do something like this. They, they, they're great. There's lots of money there to, to share with industry. And then if, um, at the end of the day, if you're in a situation in business that isn't good, it's not cool. You are not psychologically safe. Perhaps you're being gossiped about, bullied, made fun of. As a woman, there's a, a yucky calendar hanging up. This happens all, you know, things like that, you know, that I don't want to look at that, but I'm afraid to say anything. All of these things, you know, if you can, you know, put yourself first and look for a job where you really lean into what their values and cultural are like and really interview them before you get in, do your homework, get on Facebook and LinkedIn and find more about the company, are the people they're happy, get on Glassdoor and find out what you're getting yourself into. Because think of it like dating, who is truly worth you. And if a company isn't worth you, then you're not going to be your best and you probably won't do well there. You're going to do really well if, so that would be my advice um, to leave with is that easier said than done, most definitely, but there's ways, there's ways to get there. That's awesome. I, I really like that. That's a, that's a good way to wrap everything up because we, we covered a lot and, we, and thank you for being on the show. It, it was really good. I, I was very excited about this and uh, I, it sounds like we're just scratching the surface as well. So maybe we'll just have to do it again. So um, okay, well. thanks for joining us today. Anytime, um, anytime. It was lots yeah. of fun. Thank you. It's uh, it's good for us. Yeah. To talk about it. So. Yeah. Good, good awareness. I learned a ton. So it's, it's great. And I have some great takeaways. I've got, I've got a book. I've got some eggnog. Me too. I've got some links and, and cheat, cheat sheets to, to steal from Gary. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate both of you. And uh, this was this was great conversation. Thank you. Both. It really was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Go make it a great day. And then, and then Carrie, feel free to just jump in with the hello. Thanks for having me. That kind of language. I'm not trying to tell you what to say, but no, please do. <laughs> and yeah, and then if you could say how great I am, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>